Hey, good morning, Trace. Hey, it's so great to have you guys with us today, whether you're joining us online or you're here on location at Rock Rim, and we're just thrilled to be with you today, be celebrating Christmas with you and your family. My family likes to give gifts at Christmas time. How many of you guys, you're big gift givers? Like, it's a, it's a big deal for you. Listen, over the years, um, I, I figured out there is a, there's a style that everybody has in their gift giving, and I, I've actually written these down because I don't want to forget um, maybe, maybe one of these identifies you, or maybe you just recognize somebody in your circle of friends who's like this. The, first of all, there is uh, meaningful Melissa. Melissa, every gift that she gives has some kind of significance behind it. There's a story behind the gift that she gives. How many of you guys know a meaningful Melissa? There's always a story behind the gift. Um, there's also Last Minute Michael. This guy literally stops at the gas station on the way to the party to just pick up whatever catches his eye. Um, there's Top This Tammy. She's the one who has to make sure everybody sees the gifts that she is giving. You guys know somebody like that? Hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes. Um, cheap Charlie. Now, how many of you guys can agree there's a difference between inexpensive and cheap? Um, cold Cash Carl. Everybody loves Carl. <laughs> everybody loves a few Benjamins at Christmas time. And then there's my favorite, and that is Regifting Gloria. Her motto is, what comes around, goes around. Listen, no matter what your style is of gift giving, if you have a certain way, a certain kind of gift that you're looking for, um, this is such an amazing season to be able to express our love to people with, uh, in, in the form of gifts. I do want to encourage you, though, in all of the, uh, in all of the parties, all of the presents, uh, the hustle and bustle that happens in this season, I want to encourage you to take a moment to be able to just pull aside with your family and to be able to talk about what makes Christmas significant. What makes it special? <clears throat> what makes it Christmas? Because what we celebrate here is the fact that God loved us so much that he gave the gift of his son to you. And that is what Christmas is all about, and that is what this series has been all about. The series that we're in right now, week three of this series, 316, where over the last couple of weeks, we have been, that is a fantastic outfit. I am so sorry. <laughs> uh, where was I? Where was I? I love it, love it. Hey, um, over the last few weeks, we have been unpacking um, probably the most memorized and the most highlighted hashtag best verse ever in Scripture. Um, we've already talked about how this verse really captures the heartbeat of God's love, and it's something that, that we really celebrate a lot here at Christmas time. John 3.16. Whether you've read this verse a dozen times or it's the very first time that you have been going through this over the last couple of weeks, this is one of the most fantastic passages of Scripture that you'll ever read. Those of you who read books on Kindle, um, you'll recognize that Kindle will take a passage that a lot of people highlight and they'll underline it so that you know that this is a really big deal when other people read this. If you were to read John 3.16 on Kindle, it would be underlined because so many people highlight this verse. Now what I want to be able to do today is I want to look at this final phrase in John 3.16. And so we're going to put the entire verse up on 
the screen today. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is one of Christianity's bedrock passages. Martin Luther called this the heartbeat of God. And today, we're going to focus on this final phrase in this verse, but we can't focus on the final phrase without really looking at the context of this entire passage. See, this passage, John 3, 16, is actually a response to a conversation that Jesus was having with a leader named Nicodemus. The topic of their conversation was, what does it take to have eternal life? And so, Jesus begins to quote some Jewish scriptures that uh, Nicodemus would have been very familiar with. He begins to quote these Jewish scriptures to start painting a picture. And then, as we get into John 3.16, he starts to bring it all together here. And, And here's what we see. Here's what we see. Humanity is so precious in God's eyes. God loves him so deeply, his heart was stirred to reach out and do something to save him. In other words, God's love for us drove him to action on our behalf. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And today we're going to look at God's purpose behind his action. We're going to look at the reason why he sent his son. Now, anytime that one of my kids comes to me unsolicited, to offer a coffee or to maybe just crawl up on my lap unsolicited, I always stop for just a moment. Maybe parents, you're like this also. I stop for a moment and I think, what do they want? What do they want? Because there's always some kind of a a motive. There's a reason for the things we do. And that's actually not a bad thing. Sometimes my kids crawl up on my lap simply because they love me and they want to receive love in return. Sometimes they crawl up on my lap because they want chocolate cake for breakfast, and they know that dad's a sucker for that. So today we we realize there's always a reason for our actions, and today we're going to look at the reason why God sent his son. Loved us so much, he sent his son for a reason. So we're going to look at this final phrase a little bit closer today, John 3, 16. It begins with the conjunction, that, and I'm not here to give you a grammar lesson at all, but I don't want you to skip over conjunctions. Conjunctions are really important because they start to answer our questions. They start to pull things together for us, and this verse is actually filled with powerful conjunctions. God's love so compelled him to give his son for a reason. What is that reason? And this this phrase starts out very quickly, letting us know that that answer is going to come very quickly. In fact, in its original context, this conjunction meant in order that. God so loved the world, he gave his only son in order that. And the rest of the verse points to this next phrase. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. This is the story of the gospel. This is the story of Jesus. This is the story, it's the culmination of Christmas. 
We celebrate a baby boy who came into this world. We sing songs about the manger. But we also realize as we read, as we study, that this baby boy grew up to be a man who gave his life for us. God sent his son for a reason. And we celebrate the coming of his son during this season of Christmas time. But there was a reason behind it. This is the story, the good news of Jesus. Now, one of the things that I do want to look at here as we start off is just this word whoever. When we use the word whoever in our contemporary um, English language today, a lot of times it carries the context of whatever, like whoever. But the way that Jesus uses it in John 3.16 is actually an open door of opportunity that includes the entire world. And it brings us to our one thing for this morning. Now, we're going to unpack this as we go through our sermon today. Salvation is for everyone, but it comes through only one. Salvation is for everyone, but it comes through only one. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone could receive what he was about to give. Now, in our culture, we generally attribute um, great things or significant opportunities to somebodies. In other words, um, they had that opportunity because they were a somebody. But this passage today begins by stating that God did not give his son for somebodies. He gave his son for whoever's. You don't have to perform to be a whoever. You don't have to achieve to be a whoever. This statement opens up God's gift, his love in action. It opens it up to the entire world. And later on, the Apostle Paul echoed this same sentiment when he writes to a group of churches in Rome, and he uses this exact same word. He says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever. Now, this was extremely controversial even in Paul's time because he lived in a culture where the Jews and the Israelites were somebodies. And he opens it up. He cracks it open in the same way, repeating what Jesus says in John 3.16. Paul says, this is for whoever. Not just somebodies. Not just the Jews and the Israelites. This is for the entire world. And here's the point that the New Testament Scriptures is making. God is able to take whoever from wherever who has done whatever and give eternal life forever. So I've got really good news for you today. I've got great news. Whether you feel significant or insignificant, whether you feel broken or whole, you're a whoever. And God doesn't overlook whoever's. He sent his son for whoever's. So listen, I just want to make sure that this clicks with everybody today. Would you repeat after me? Say this. Say, I'm a whoever. Say, I'm from Whoville. Oh, come on. It's Christmas humor. You can do that, right? We have already watched all three versions of The Grinch in our family, in our house today. So um, I know that in my life, I've been a whoever. And if there's anything good that's happened in my life, it's not because I've somehow earned it or deserved it. 
It's not because of my awesomeness. It's in spite of my inadequacies. I'm a whoever. God saw me, and he sent his son for me. And this verse, it continues to build, and I hope that you can feel the verse. It, it continues to build. God so loved the world that he sent his only son that everyone, whoever, and here's the crux, whoever believes in him. It's the crux of the whole verse. This is what it's about. Whoever believes in him. And I want you to notice here that this issue is not a matter of behavior. It's a matter of belief. And this is what makes Christianity different from all other uh, religions. Salvation is not based on your actions. It's based on your heart. It's a condition of your heart. Now, don't get me wrong. God wants our behavior to line up with our beliefs. But after you were born comes growth and maturity. Okay, get this. After you came into this world, you were born, then comes growth and maturity. And that's why the words that Jesus chose to use here in his conversation, his dialogue with Nicodemus, resonate with us so much. He said, you must be born again. Growth will happen. Maturity will come. But this all begins in the heart. It simply begins with belief. So what does it mean to believe? I believe in Santa. Maybe you believe in aliens or Bigfoot. Listen, belief is more than believing in the existence of something or someone. Do you know there was a recent study um, done in America here, 90% of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. They believe in his existence. Especially during the, Christ, the season of Christmas, we have a lot of believers. But this kind of belief in John 3.16 is far more than acknowledging something is real. Later on, Jesus' brother James writes, and he says, um, he says, you believe there's a God? Great. Great. Even the demons believe that. This belief that John 3.16 is capturing here is far more than intellectual agreement or intellectual assent. The original Greek word used here in John 3.16 meant to place your trust in or to put your faith in. Believe means to place our trust in him, in the one and only son, to make him the center of our life, to let him take the lead. There's nothing else and there's no other way than to believe in him. So later in this same book, this book of John, Jesus, his words are captured here, and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man comes to the Father, no man gains eternal life except through me. The gift of God's love is found in Jesus alone. And it brings us back to our one thing. Salvation is for everyone, but it comes through only one. See, one of our challenges is that we often will create 
unnecessary roadblocks in our faith journey. It's not a new thing, actually. Um, it dates way back to the ancient church. The early days of the ancient church, there were a number of people who started teaching that you had to believe in Jesus and be circumcised in order to have eternal life. It became such a destructive teaching that the Apostle Paul writes letters to straighten this out. And here's what he says. If you tell anyone that it requires Jesus plus anything, it's an absolute lie. It contradicts the gospel itself because this only comes down to belief in Jesus. It's not Jesus plus anything. You believe in him alone. Our culture today, we still struggle with a number of these challenges, a number of these roadblocks. Maybe you have, have bought into this feeling or this belief that you have to get your junk together and believe in Jesus before you can have eternal life. It's an absolute lie. <laughs> Maybe you've heard somebody say you have to believe in Jesus and understand and believe all of the Bible before you can have eternal life. Listen, I want to get my junk together. I want to study and understand more and more and more of God's word, but it's not a prerequisite to eternal life. It's not. Belief in Jesus is all it takes. So here's my encouragement to you. Don't let your undones or your unknowns keep you from saying yes to Jesus. There's things that everybody in this room probably has a list of things that you think you need to do first. Don't let your undones or your unknowns keep you from saying yes to Jesus. One of the reasons John 3.16 is such a popular verse is because it is so simplistic. All I have to do is trust in Jesus. Listen, I don't know why everyone wouldn't want to believe this is true. I don't know why everyone wouldn't want to simply believe in Jesus. Now this verse wraps up with two opposing destinies. And it's really the culmination. It, it, it brings it all here. So that those who believe in him, so that they should not perish but have eternal life. These are two opposing destinies. And we did a series here at Trace a couple of months ago called Stranger Things. And in that series, we took a lot of time just talking about heaven and just talking about hell. And ultimately, we got down to this place. Heaven is spending eternity in the presence of God. Hell is spending eternity separated from God. These are the two opposing destinies that are presented here. To perish is to be absolutely separated from God for eternity. Eternal life means that you're with him for eternity. The purpose of God sending his son was to make this gift of eternal life available to anyone who would believe in his son Jesus. And we do church because this verse is true. We build relationships with people because this verse is true. We're planning a church in the Northgate Monument area because this verse is true. God loves people. He loves whoever. 
so much that he does not want to be separated from you for eternity. And what it took to make that possible was him putting action to his love and sending his son Jesus into the world so that anyone, everyone, whoever would place their faith in him could spend eternity with the Father. Guys, that's the story of the gospel. That's the story of God's love for you. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of John 3.16. Whoever we can reach that would say yes to Jesus will have eternal life. And we have our one thing again. Salvation is for everyone, but it comes through only one. The author of this book, John, he writes later on, he writes more letters, and he almost repeats himself. You can tell that this is something that is just entrenched in his spirit. It's something that that he has seen. He knows this truth, and he wants to speak it over and over and over again. And so he writes, and he says, this is how God showed his love for us. He sent his one and only son so that you could have life, and so that his son could be the sacrifice for your sins so your sins could be forgiven. God looked on us and he saw what sin would do in our life. He saw that sin would not only hurt us right now, but it would separate us from him for eternity. And his love compelled him to action. He sent his son Jesus so that whoever would place their faith in him would not have to be separated from God for eternity, but they could be together. This verse is for you. This verse was not written for your neighbor. It was. It was written for your neighbor. It wasn't written for the person on the other side of the room or on the other side of the block. It it was. This verse is written for you. That God saw you in your whoeverness, and He loves you to the point where He does not want to be separated. For eternity. And his love drove him to action. And he sent his son for you. And if you place your faith in him, place your trust in him, eternal life is yours. It's John 3, 16. This morning, I don't want your undones or your unknowns to keep you from saying yes to Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask. If you guys would take a moment and just bow your heads close your eyes. I just want this to be a very personal moment between you and God. We don't want any distractions, so just if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm, I just want God to speak to your heart for a moment here, that his voice would be way louder than mine. And maybe you're with us today and you've, you've heard me talking about uh, placing your trust in Jesus 
but you've been waiting for something or you've been waiting for someone or you've been waiting for some reason and I want to tell you today that your wait is over. Eternal life requires nothing more than placing your belief in him, in Jesus. And if you're ready to do that today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand up as a commitment to the Lord. There are others. Guys, this is so awesome. This verse is for you. This verse is for you. Here's what I would like to ask you to do, still with heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer with me. And listen, these, these are not magic words. But these words are trying to capture maybe something that's going on in your heart right now. And I want to invite you to simply pray this prayer with me. You can say, God, I thank you for your great love for me. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for me. And I ask you to forgive me for my mistakes. Forgive me for my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I invite you to take the lead in my life and to become the center of who I am from this day forward. Amen.